the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Why is there another uproar over Twitter? And then a fascinating reason that a famous restaurant is closing. You're listening to The Common Good. Happy Thursday, friends. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. Uh, Welcome to the sun. We continue to live in just unseasonably warm. We're just used to unseasonably cold, right? But this is just yeah, nuts. We, we, do, we don't get like, this reminds me of growing up in Oklahoma, like it would hit 113. In fact, my mom texted me the other day, it was like 120 there. So they're feeling it too. I'm like, this feels like my, my Oklahoma summers How's your as air a conditioning holding up? So far so Knock good, but wood. I am definitely like every day like, ooh, ooh, you know, go buy more it. duct tape to put around it all, and there you go. Oh. I had a check engine light come on in my car, by the way, which turned out to be really nothing. It's just really something small. So I've decided to ignore it. I kind of want to put a piece of tape <laughs> over so that I can't see the check engine light anymore, right? Like, if, it do- if you can't see it, it doesn't exist. Yeah. All right. I want to start you with a story that I saw over at Fox News, and it is it is not controversial. It is not political. It just made me think of Tom Hanks, and it made oh. me think of the movies. Oh, uh, what okay. would you do in this situation, okay. Aubrey? The Coast Guard rescues man stranded on Bahamas Island for three <laughs> days after his sailboat breaks down. I the man was rescued between Florida, Cuba, and the Bahamas. Wow! Hey, this is the this is Castaway. Yeah, this is Castaway. Obviously, he wasn't out in the middle of nowhere. He had flares. That's eventually yeah. how he got and them three done. Days isn't however long Tom Hanks was there. But you feel yeah. like that's a vacation more than a than a mm-hmm. than somewhere. He just got a free vacation. If you <laughs> broke down and were on an, a <gasps> deserted <gasps> island, a small island for th- at upwards of three days, how terrified would you be by the end of three days? By the end of the first hour, like I would right? be terrified, 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 terrified. What would yes. you do first? Do I assume I have a way to reach people or no, you're I think saying he would survival. have reached them? I think he's probably got no cell service. But like flare. I mean, if I had flares, I'm doing the flares. Well, but you don't sure. want to waste your flares. Don't you wait on the flares until you spot a boat or a plane? I guess you have to, right? right? Or otherwise it's like, I don't know. I guess I'd try to find shelter. I'd do a lot of praying. Explore the island and make sure there's no like I don't know if I would explore creatures. the island. I think I would be afraid that there would be weird creatures. I think I'd stay put. So like, now my, I, I, this looks more like a sandbar. So I want to I don't want to make sure to not make it seem like. But if it were actually an island, yeah. I think I would explore it because you don't know if like there's a resort somewhere. Oh, on there. I guess that's true. Somebody also, living my, there somewhere. Yeah. If you've just landed on one of the islands that houses uh, like cannibal <laughs> natives on an island. 
So I feel like that's definitely from the I mean, Alvin and the Chipmunks movie. Like that's you, not real. The question is, did you end up at like a resort where people go on their honeymoon or right. where Jim Elliott went to spread the gospel? Like somewhere in the middle there. Where exactly I, I did choose, you land? I would like to be on the resort. I will, I'll take resort for 10000 So please. this guy, a plane ended up flying over. He shot some flares up and was rescued three Ooh, days. That would, that's that would scary. No, me. that is so scary. I am definitely like, I feel like my husband would be so good in this situation he's such an outdoorsman and like a survivalist at heart i would just be panicked like he would i be panicked would be panicked too because you don't know like yeah. reading the story going yeah. backwards you're like oh they get saved but you don't know this could be gilligan's island but, this what, could but be... what i mean is like i feel like kevin has the resolve to be like oh, oh he I'll would just do build, well i'll build a house yes. i'll start spearing fish he where would i would be... just be like i know i can't move he, it would be his own version of swiss family samson yeah, it yeah, would be totally. like what he's would you do first i would cry and cower first <laughs> i think i would go search and try to get a lay of the land and see where i am I terrified mean, that i'm gonna run into like a tiger or also, like to a, be honest like i wouldn't go on a boat by myself like this either yeah so, this is a different guy yeah. he's a sailor he's a professional he's probably was just fine but wow glad he's safe okay big right turn okay. i want to talk about Going from a solo uh, sailman, sailboat guy, captain, to Elon Musk. Oh, that, okay. Let me ask you a strange question. Captain of the You're kind of off of Twitter, right? I'm kind of off of Twitter. Every once in a while I post an article that is is now X. Yes, that's right. Uh, Elon Musk came out over the weekend and announced that they're getting rid of the block feature on on. on Twitter. So you can no longer, you can still mute people. Oh, okay. But when, when you block somebody, they can't see your stuff. They can't. Yes. comment on stuff yeah. when you mute them they can still comment so yeah. people were up in arms like oh now the trolls are going to win all this yeah. stuff so let me ask you a really weird social media question okay does it ever surprise you how much people care about twitter and instagram and facebook <laughs> and whatever other changes it's funny. like my first yes. re- my first reaction to this story was who cares the dude bought it right he can call it whatever he wants right he can change whatever he wants mm-hmm. and you know what you can do you can leave the free thing yeah. and never do it again. Right. But people make it seem like he's changed the Bill of Rights or like <laughs> the Constitution. And it kind of confuses me, but also speaks to the level to which we're obsessed with our social media. Yeah. Like, OK, so I definitely as you're reading this, I'm like, oh, yeah, who cares? Like, this doesn't really impact my life, but it's because I'm not very active on Twitter right now. So but what I'm if trying Mark to... Zuckerberg said on Instagram, yeah. we're getting rid of Instagram stories. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to put my stories. Instagram or? Yes. real stories yeah well they both are but okay. yes i'm trying to put myself into into that user's mind the one who like and i and i am most active on instagram so i think i it if mark zuckerberg said i'm getting rid of stories or reels i would just be like okay i guess i'll just post them like i honestly don't think i would be really hung up about any feature right? of any social media no when my when iPhone when Apple updates my phone, it always takes me a minute. Like I'm always like, why? Why did they have to change it? And then two days later, I'm fine. So right. I think ultimately that's what would happen. Like I, I think most people will be up in arms for two days, and then they'll be like, you said, okay, I'll stop using X, or I'll get used to the no block feature. Right. We'll figure out the workaround. We'll move on from there. You know, like this shouldn't be an issue for longer than two days. I think it speaks to our obsession with social media. Still. Yeah. And uh, everyone likes to mock or get mad at Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg. That's but, like, true. <laughs> they own them. These aren't like public, like government services that like, how dare they 
this is a guy. He says, uh, this is what I want to do with my business. Uh, and so uh, he can do whatever he wants. Yeah, he really can. Uh, so let's here. Here's a here's a question I was thinking of when I was thinking about social media. I have a funny thought about this, too. Go ahead. Go, give me your funny thoughts. Well, so I'll take I a different feel direction. like some people. OK, I, I know we keep talking about him. I'm sorry we can move on, but I do have to give this as an example. I think people take a lot of pride in when someone like Mark Driscoll blocks them because I see a lot of people, a lot of people post, oh, I just got blocked by Mark Driscoll. Oh, I just got blocked by so-and-so. Like, it's sort of a badge of honor to be blocked by the celebrity that you troll or the pastor that you troll, the leader that you troll. So those people are going to be disappointed. No longer do they have their badge of honor. That's true. It is weird. That's a weird dynamic. Let me ask you this. Hey, I know that you speak of your brand and your books and all of this stuff. Yeah. Maybe we can make this a competition. Ooh. See, you'll never do it. And I know your answer already. Okay. How many days consecutively do you think you could do without posting something? So not, you could still look, you could still look at Facebook and Instagram yeah. and Twitter. How many days could you go without posting? Because you're a regular poster on Instagram. Yeah, I am a regular poster. Uh, I could go days, but I would need to put the thing. I'm taking a break. No, well, that's cheating. This is just like you asked me. I'm telling you my answer. Here, You're saying just uh, here's go I, without it. Here's go I, without it. Here, post without posting. Yeah, you can go check out whatever you want. Here's the question. Maybe we turn this into a show competition. We'll put some money on this. I, I don't know if I'm on board for this. Here's the question. Ahead. Yeah, because I never post anything, so it's not an answer of who posts, who can go longer without posting. Yeah, because I could literally go the well, rest of my life. Maybe we could do the opposite. Then you start posting every day. No, no, I don't want to be living that. Oh, world. so you're going to do it, and no, I no, can't no, no. Do but I'm going to make it difficult for myself. Here's okay. what, here's the competition that I want to suggest. You do not need to answer this now. Yeah, I'm probably who not. Who could go to it, longer? But... You never not posting at all. Or me not going on social media at all. Yeah. So I can't go on yeah. it. You can't post on it. Yeah. Winner gets whatever. A hundred dollars. A, a Starbucks card. I still card think that's easier for you. No, I'm on the social media a lot. I just never post on it. You just don't it. post. I just never post. I'm not, I used to post on it a lot. I'm actually not on it very much. But I you post, post and I leave. Yeah. I don't post a lot. I post a few times a week. I don't know. You're yeah, like on my, my Instagram post. thing and it, you're coming up all the time. I mean, well, we might need to discuss this because we could, we could have our art because I couldn't obviously see if you posted anything. So you'd have to trust me on the honor system. Yeah. And our producer, Laura, could be watching your yeah. social media to make sure you're not doing this. I don't know if I can do it until after my kid's book is out, though, to be honest, because I have a posting schedule right now from from Tyndale and Nav Press. There's a, there's so. a sermon illustration here about we all have our excuses, right? We've all got our excuses. Yeah. I don't know if I want to. Like how would I show prep? I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's true. How would you show prep? So anyway, prep? it got me thinking about the pull of social media in our life. I do feel like we need a good, you and I need a good bet sometime soon okay, on something. Okay, okay. I'll get this there eventually. This might be it. We'll, we'll check it out. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right. A really famous Michelin starred restaurant is closing in London and why it's closing is fascinating. We're going to talk about that next year on the common good AM 1160 hope for your life. Are you familiar with Michelin starred restaurants? Yeah. 
Other than them being restaurants you nor I ever go to. Ne- I've never been to one. I would really love have to go to menus one. menus often. It would be like you go I in know. for this. Yes. Five course, yes. seven courses. I was telling you off air, you've never watched the show, but I started watching a show called um, In Search of Italy. It's Stanley Tucci's show. And what he does is he goes around Italy and he finds local you know, restaurants or local chefs or local pastry chefs. And just tastes their food and finds out the history of them. But every once in a while, he goes to a Michelin star restaurant. And it'll be like, I mean, it's like at the top of some hill that you can't find with directions on a map, but you just have to know about it. And the guy, the chef has like foraged through the woods and found ash from a volcano and mixed it with sugar and made some famous dessert. I mean, it's like wild, these Michelin star restaurants. I know people who go to the ones, like make it a, a... a way to get to as many of them as they can. There's a bunch in Chicago, but then you talk to them about like, oh, what'd you get? And it's weird stuff and you don't choose. They're like, they're bringing this. And you might have a choice of two things or nothing. Yeah. Like, Here's your appetizer. Here's your salad. Yeah. Here's your main dish. Yeah. And they're always weird. You're never like going to a Michelin restaurant and being like, hey, you know what I want? I want that bacon cheeseburger with the truffle fries and whatever it's else. never that. That sounds good though. I know. That's all uh, really good. Mike, God, we never went back to talk about my Red Robin experience a couple oh, yeah. days ago. You went a few days ago. Glorious. You got your burger. You got your bottomless Bacon cheeseburger. Fries. Got did my you find fries. out if truffle fries were I on the not. menu? I, sta- I stayed with. I have worries about Red Robin, by the way. At least it's, the one that I go to Ryan, is very empty. It's not good. I mean, I didn't want to burst your it bubble on Monday, good. but I think Red Robin is real gross. Well, you think incorrectly. <laughs> I was worried by how empty it was, though. Yeah, yeah. I I worry as things were over on Winfield Road in Cantera, you know, stuff keeps changing there. I I have a worry that Red Robin could be on that list. It is on that list, I promise. So, Red Robin, Chili's. Rock bottom. Ugh, Those Chili's are, is nasty. None of too. these are Michelin starred no, restaurants. They're definitely not. But there is one uh, in London, okay? A two, it's not just a Michelin star, it's a two Michelin <gasps> star London ref, restaurant. I'm going to mispronounce it, but Chef Michael Rowe, R O U X Jr., uh, the restaurant is La Gavroche. I have heard of this restaurant, like meaning, like I think they mention it in movies okay. even. Like, yeah, this is a thing. So it is French. Uh, he's an English-French TV personality. Wow. This restaurant was opened by his father, Albert Rowe, and his uncle, Michael Rowe Sr., 56 <gasps> years ago. Come on. Uh, Aubrey, it's closing. And do you want to know why the English-French TV personality has decided to shut it? Mm-mm. I mean, yes, I want to know, but why? <laughs> no, no don't says, tell me. I know this will come as a shock to many of you, so please know this decision has not been made lightly, he wrote, about the restaurant that's been... Uh, on TV shows like Michael Rowe's French Country Kitchen uh, Cooking and Gordon Ramsay's Hell's Kitchen, he explained that he wanted to, quote, make time for a better work-life balance. No way. He says, La, La Gavroche means so much, not just to myself and the Rowe family, but to the wider Gavroche team and <gasps> you, our guests, who have become our family. He went on to explain that the end of the current lease located in the town of Mayfair had provided him, quote, with the opportunity to assess the con- and consider the future. And he felt that now was the right time to, Mm-mm. quote, turn the page and move forward. They will still do pop up things. OK, they will still do some events. OK, but there will no longer be a restaurant. No way. By the way, this was named after the character in Les Mis. Oh, nice. Uh, 
So it's famed for signature dishes such as the souffle suisse. Yes. Uh, and offers tasting menus along with an extensive a la carte no menu. No way. It, is, it is, uh, comes at a time when it continues to be fully booked week after week after week. Is what there, do you think okay. about this guy closing this world famous Mm-mm. restaurant that people still book out weeks and weeks and weeks in advance? It is still always busy. And he says, listen, uh, I need better work life okay, balance. Okay, a couple things. Okay, can I tell you my cynical answer first? Yes. Okay, my cynical answer is twofold. One, I'm kind of not sure if I believe him as the reason oh. why he's quitting. Two, I have questions about why don't you pass this on to your sous chef I or your family, too. or mm-hmm. which is which is I think what led me to be cynical about why he's closing. Like I feel like there's more to the story, maybe some financial issues, maybe because so, otherwise you think you would just pass this on and and to your sous chef and keep the restaurant going instead of like disappointing the whole country or whatever. But let's take him at his word that he wants a better work-life balance than good for him. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is the right way to reorder your priorities and enjoy your life. I imagine this is a high-pressure, high-stress role. The fact that he's doing the show, the fact that he has the restaurant, the fact that there's probably public appearances and lots of other sort of brand things he needs to do to be able to step back from that and rest. I mean, he's gotten... Did you say two? I think it's three Michelin stars. Oh, at one point, I think it was three. Yes, okay. yes, yes. You know, you've you've kind of hit the legacy of a restaurant and a chef and what you want. And you can go, okay, I've made it. Like, yeah. maybe I do need to step back and enjoy my life and travel and be with my people and, and walk through the streets of London eating other food. You know, I could see why that would be very appealing. It, it strikes me in the church world. Was it John Mark Comer who... Was yes. like in a mega church yes. preaching six services, yes. doing this and that, and yep. he just said, "I'm done." I'm done. And he went. Did he go to a smaller church or he broke his church up? It no, was one of the two. No, he he actually just totally stepped back from being on staff at his church. They asked him to stay on through COVID. We need we need your leadership during COVID, but he stopped preaching, and then he just stepped back and is no longer on staff there to get at all. And it was like the burnout piece. And he, I mean, he actually talks about on his podcast, he went through like a, yes. like a dark night of the soul because he'd overworked himself. Like he brought it on himself by not ever saying no and living his actual life. And I think because it's one thing to be like, oh, that's a restaurant guy. He could do this. Uh, like in our world, the church world, there's a lot of people who are burning themselves out because of in the, in the hope of the quote unquote Michelin star yeah. or whatever that is yeah. in the church world. Who need to step back and go, what's my actual priority? Mm-hmm. Like, I think, so my first thought, I also had some cynicism about this, but I actually had the same thought you did. Pass it on. Pass it on. Like, pass it on. Right. And I know he's a celebrity chef, but you know he's got chefs under him that have been training on. for years. But with that said, I do think there's, I do think more people need to think in terms of work life balance. Doesn't mean quit your job. Right. Like, you yes. can't be like, oh my gosh, I have to work a lot of hours. I'm quitting my job. I'm not saying that. Yeah. But I think we should all take honest assessments of our lives and go, mm. how is my work-life balance? Mm. Mainly, am I ignoring my family? Yeah. Am we, I, do I have time for my kid? Or whatever else it might we be. We talked about this story from uh, Dr. McCauley last week. I actually mentioned it in my sermon on Sunday. You remember this? He talked about how he asked his daughter, do you want 
would you rather have 20% yes. more time or 20% more stuff, more toys? And she said, well, you're talking about with you? I'd rather have more time. Mm-hmm. And how his other daughter was like, dad, are you leaving again? And for him, these were kind of eye-opening moments to go, I actually need a better work-life balance. That may have not been the language he used, but like, I need to reprioritize some things here. And I think whether you have kids or not, just that ability to sort of like have enough space in your life, enough margin to go on walks, to enjoy things you, to not be hustling, hustling, hustling all the time is crucial for our sanity, yes. for our soul, for our well-being, for the people around us, et cetera. Agreed. And so I think there's, you know, you could be a little cynical about this story, but I think there's there's something to be admired and challenged by here uh, by this mission. So now get to London and get there before it closes, I suppose. I suppose wow. that's the case. Uh, All right. Coming up next, Gospel Coalition wrote about something that I think you're going to have some uh, interesting thoughts on. Uh, They called it this immature defenses of mature sexual content in movies. How should Christians treat uh, how should Christians treat sex scenes in movies? Should we be at these movies? I know what you're going to think about the Gospel Coalition. I want to know what Aubrey thinks. We're going to do that next year on The Common Good. AM 1160. Hope for your life. Aubrey. Before we dive into movies, something yeah. that is your thing, I you're love, the movie person. Yes. Uh, before we jump into that, there's something really cool going on in Naperville. Tell I us know, about this it. This is so fun. It's back again. The Naperville JC's last fling from September 1st through September 4th. And enjoy the last days of summer in downtown Naperville with carnival rides, live music, food vendors. Admission is free. And you can find out more at lastfling.com. I love that. I love ending the summer with a fun event in Naperville. It's and very I cool. love free. I love free also. <laughs> I love free. So go get there. All right. Gospel Coalition. They wrote about movies the other mm. day. Maybe we should have Josh Larson talk to us oh, about yeah, this. yeah. This would but, be helpful, actually. Uh, he, the Gospel Coalition, this is somebody by the name of Cap Stewart, said. That's a cool name. Yeah. Hey, Cap. Hey, what up, Cap? Immature, except now that means lying now. It would have been cooler before. Immature defenses of, quote, mature sexual content in movies. Let me just read you the first paragraph. In a pornified culture like ours, Mm -hmm. it's no wonder various scenes from mainstream films and television shows demonstrate a, quote, porn porn aesthetic, Mm -hmm. to borrow a phrase from academic Shelton Waldrop. We're not just talking about raunchy comedies, erotic thrillers, or TV mature HBO shows. Works of otherwise genuine artistry and quality storytelling can be tainted by the inclusion of a sex scene or two. You probably are guessing the jumping off point yeah, here is Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer, yep. Because people, I, you've seen Oppenheimer, right? Oh, yes. Uh, people will be like, yeah, be careful. You got to be careful of these one or two scenes, right? They're and, wildly jarring. Are yeah. they? So oh, I've yes. not seen Oppenheimer. Yeah. Uh, but this has brought this back up. He says this later. A given film might be a stellar work of art. Mm-hmm. parenthetically with true and morally good themes mm-hmm. and at the same time morally compromised yeah and he's using uh he's really saying mature sexual content he's kind of putting it above language and yeah. other stuff yeah so how do you wrestle it you are I, we yeah. joke about it, you're a connoisseur of movies yeah i love you movies love i movies. go to movies all the time so I would like to know how you personally mm-hmm. wrestle with this, because then becomes the question about our children. Totally. Not even like our, when our children, but I got like a 20 year old. I've got yeah. a 16 year old, like yeah. these kinds of things. Uh, but how do you wrestle with this? Yeah, I, you know, I, I probably don't have a, like a hard 
black or white line. I just I do know that some things feel like they cross the line more than others. Mm -hmm. Oppenheimer did. And part of the reason Oppenheimer did is because it was so shocking, like meaning this is what's funny. It's probably not the worst thing you've ever seen on TV, Mm -hmm. but it like was um, almost such a jarring thing from the way the story was being told. Like it was just unexpected and totally unnecessary that it like you were like, wait, where? Yeah. This it felt like it came out of left field. Like, so I that's not really helpful, except I I tend to go. This is the male gaze like that. The male gaze always sort of bothers me in movies when they pan to like a woman's even if she's like wearing jeans and a dress, they pan to her bottom and she's walking mm-hmm. away swaying or the way the sex scene is filmed. It's all from the male's perspective. That bothers me in movies. That happens a lot in movies, even if it's not gratuitous, because we're objectifying image bearers. And I guess anytime there's just that objectification, you have to kind of go, is this okay or not? Now, that said, I'm saying this almost as a double minded, not almost as a very double minded (laughs) person. Because I have sat there and watched, I, I mean, name a, I'm, I'm trying to think of like a Netflix show, right? Or an HBO show or something where it's like, there have been sex scenes and I kind of been like, yeah, I don't like this. Yeah. But I've still watched the show. I gotta get the show's it. been yep, really yep, yep. engaging to me. Now, I, I told my boys, my 17 year old, he's not allowed to watch Oppenheimer. And that oh. was specifically one of the reasons. It was so gratuitous to me, even though, again, really wasn't the worst thing you've ever seen on TV. Mm. Um, So I don't. I don't feel like I have a really great line. I know what makes me uncomfortable. I know what I don't want my boys to see. Um, I know what begins to impact my own soul. I do think that we have um, justified sort of a pornographic, like sex God type of idolatry in our viewing as Christians without thinking much about it. And I think I've probably fallen prey to Mm. it more than I need to. It's a hard question. Yeah. Like anyone who thinks this is just easy to be like, well, it's this because he he talks in here about the different things we say. So, you know, how much is there? Or I can fast forward. Well, mm-hmm. you can't if you're at the movie. Yeah. But he later on says this. Exactly how a film's artistry and morality weigh against each other is up for debate. Are there any context in which a Christian can patronize films that utilize a porn aesthetic in one or more scenes? Is it acceptable to use filtering services or a fast forward button to do so? Mm -hmm. At what point should a Christian reject an otherwise masterfully crafted work of art based on moral grounds? These are challenging questions modern Christian audiences must grapple with. I appreciate he doesn't say, here's what you should think. Here's what you should think. I think he's honoring the difficulty of the question. I would also say movies in the 80s and stuff were more gratuitous. They were definitely more gratuitous. But that doesn't... Like jokey gratuitous, too. It was weird. Like, you'd be watching a movie, and there would just be two Mm -hmm. women with no shirts on for no reason whatsoever. And you're like, I don't know what to do with that. Um, But that doesn't mean... That's where it becomes hard, because everybody has said Oppenheimer is a wonderful movie. Oh, not wonderful, but a good story. Yeah, yeah. But does that go make you go? I can do. And then where does language come in? Where does uh, coarse joking come in? Where and, does all of this? Yeah. And how eventually do you not end up just watching PG rated uh, Disney movies? Right. And I and I do think it's up to like 
I mean, it's up to us to be discernment, to be discerning. But I also do think like good filmmakers can imply that something sexual has happened without Mm -hmm. actually us needing to see it. Like we don't need to be voyeurs. Right. And so I do think we can call for our filmmakers to do a better, more tasteful job and do something in a more mature way than maybe they're even doing it now. Um and then this is where the other side of me, I, I start to get, oh, I don't, I don't want to be legalistic. I don't like legalism, but maybe that's me justify. I, I don't know. I think it is a hard thing. I think there have been movies where there's been mature content done in a way that's like a closed door scene instead of yeah. an open door scene. And I feel like that's way more palatable and comfortable, but you're right. Like, I don't want to sit there and only watch G rated and PG rated movies because they're targeted at kids and they're not always good. Sometimes they're great, but sometimes mm-hmm. they're not. So I, yeah, I don't know what, t- what, what do you do? I don't know. I'm with you. Like in some ways. So I think, you know, I, I told you I haven't seen a ton of movies lately, yeah. but even thinking back to when we were in college mm-hmm. and what was maybe one of the best movies of, I think it was my junior year. My senior was Titanic. Oh yeah. Most popular movies. Everyone yeah. was seeing it. It yeah. was an awesome story. Yeah. It was a good movie. And there was a pretty. Yep gratuitous sex scene in it yeah so what do you do with that yeah do you just go i'm not i'm ever not gonna watching ever watch this. titanic I'm that gonna seems wait. absurd i'm gonna wait till it comes on tbs right <laughs> or is it like you know what i i think this is more gray than people let it be mm-hmm. when it comes to your children i would i would i would proceed with great caution yeah definitely but when it comes to adults i don't know like i because when I tell you, you can't watch that, and then you mm-hmm. go, well, then why are you watching that? You're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, a little, mm-hmm. little gray area. But I would tell people, the Bible does talk about whatever's noble, whatever's pure, yeah. whatever's trustworthy, you know, whatever's good. Uh, think about such things. And so I think the real question becomes, what effect do these things have on me? Not, is it sinful or not? Or this, where does it take my mind? I think that's a great, where does it take my soul? Where does it take my heart? Where does it take my attachments yep. emotionally? Those are, those are good questions just, to be asking. Just watch the chosen. <laughs> <laughs> and to be honest, Oppenheimer wasn't that great of a movie. Oh, the, more, right? the more time, I, the, the longer I'm sitting with it, the more I'm like, it was all right. Okay. Yeah. I've not seen it. I yeah. did hear it's long. Yeah, it's long. Uh, go see Barbie. Go see Way better. Barbie. Way better. Uh, coming up next, a tweet from one of our favorite people, Pastor Rich Viotas. I want to read it and see what you think. We're going to do it next here on The Common Good, AM 1160. Hope for your life. All right. We talk with a lot of topics of the day, but sometimes we like to just... Say, hey, what's the gospel? Let's talk about the gospel again. Let's talk about the good news. Uh, Let's talk about the Bible. And with that in mind, I saw a tweet from Rich Viotis. He is uh, a pastor in Queens, author of The Deeply Formed Life and also Good and Beautiful and Kind. And uh, what's the name? He took over for Peter Scazzaro. What's the name of the church in Queens? I do not remember. All I can think of is uh, the emotionally healthy pastor, but that's, that's the book. Peter Scazzaro, that's not right? The right. church, yeah. So I'll look it up in a second. He writes this: the story of Scripture in four fa- uh, phrases repeated throughout its pages. So he's saying. These four phrases, he says, are repeated throughout the pages of Scripture. Uh, It kind of encapsulates the story. You ready for the four phrases? Ready. I love you. Mm. I'm with you. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid. I thought that'd be on there. You can come home. Oh, that's good. So what's not on here is... uh, Rich Viotis. You know what's not on here is stop sinning. Right. Be holy. Repent. Obey. 
Yep. So this is a lot of grace-filled yeah, it is. Uh, language. So I love you. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. You can come home. Take mm-hmm. those four. What do you think about that as an encapsulation? I mean, it's funny. I thought I for sure said, don't be afraid is going to be on here. Because you just hear God say that to his people. You see Jesus say mm-hmm. that to his audiences all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. And it's typically tied together. Don't be afraid I'm with you. Don't be afraid I'm with you. Don't mm-hmm. be afraid I'm with you. Don't be afraid I know your needs. Don't be afraid I will meet your needs. Don't be afraid. I, you know. So the fact that he says, I am with you, don't be afraid, is the gospel from the beginning to right. end. Absolutely. I love you. I love that that's in here. I think sometimes that gets missed in our stories of the gospel or when we try to, you know, people Mm -hmm. have done this before where they're like, the story of scripture is this. And they'll give phrases like this. Sometimes we do forget. I love you. God loves you. We forget to even say like, God is good and God is for you. So I so appreciate that he starts with that. The you can come home. That one was new to me. And, you know, of course, it makes you think of the prodigal son uh, it makes you think mm-hmm. of even Peter after you sinning, coming Definitely back to Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, lo- I love that. I don't know that I would have put that as the fourth one. I would have said something about Jesus coming home, mm-hmm. maybe. But I, mm-hmm. but I think you can come home or you're always welcome home. Something like that is is really, really uh, powerful. Like, it doesn't matter how far you've doesn't matter how far you've wandered. You can always come home to God. Yep. It's good. What do you think about it? I think it's great. Uh, I I can see people who see in this a lack of words like holy, obedience, sin. Like, can you you tell the the story of scripture without without using the word sin? I'm, I'm, I am reading some people commenting, like, I noticed you didn't say go and make disciples or I know you didn't say, you know, he, he didn't say all that can. I think that you can come home. Peace talks about sin, though. I think that's what he's saying. Repent. Like mm. that's that's his way of saying to the world, you can come home. You can re, you can walk away from your sin and come to Jesus. Mm. Like that's what you can come home means. That was the invitation to the prodigal son. Right. I mean, we know it's a story Jesus told. It was just an illustration. And yet the power in it is that like at your deepest, darkest, most sinful, isolated, autonomous lowest point away from God, you're always welcome to return. And that's, I think that's coming home from your sin towards God. A Twitter account tall. Can I just read this just to see where some people's minds go? Yes. Called the reformed Baptist holdout. That is his Twitter handle. Okay. Said, I think you forgot. And then he quotes Deuteronomy 32 out of the King James version. Oh, to me belongeth vengeance and recom- recompense, recompense, Recom- recompense, recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time <laughs> for the day of their calamity is at hand and the things that shall come upon them make haste. Well, that person forgot the psalm that says, do not be afraid. I will keep your foot from slipping. So <laughs> let's remember the whole Bible, people. Somebody else wrote, people don't forget, I save you from sin, death and the devil by yeah. the incarnation, life, death and resurrection uh, and imminent return of my son, Jesus. Uh, but so, doesn't it, I love you encapsulate the cross? Like, I think that's what maybe it's, I, think that's it's, what I people, love you feelings, but it's also, I love you. I died for you. So not to just unpack this too much, by the way, he's part pastor of new life fellowship that's in Queens. That's the name. It's new life fellowship. So not only is the word sin, not in his for mm-hmm. or the obey or whatever, you know, what other word is not in here? What? Jesus. Ah. But I think we would say, listen, if you know, Rich Viotis, it's implied in, I love you. It's 100%. implied in, I am with you. Yeah. That's why people are going... If somebody asked you to 
Oh, no, define, don't ask me. To do, let's try oh, to do okay. define the gospel. Okay, I thought you were going to say tell the story of scripture in four phrases. No, I'm no, like, that would be, I did that. not. I would have prepared you for that yes. in advance. Uh, how would you, what, what, what's, mm-hmm. let's get a working definition of the good news of the, oh, maybe the word good news is in there, but yep. uh, a working definition of someone says define yep. the gospel. I would actually start with Genesis. That the good news is that God created the world, God created us, and God called us good. God brought order to chaos. God brought shalom where there wasn't any. God brought light to the darkness. That's the very beginning of the good news, according to scripture. And then the reality is that sin and evil entered the world and marred God God's good world. But there was a restoration already at hand. We began to see it all throughout the Old Testament and little glimpses and moments. And we see it most fulfilled in Jesus, who came as the son of God and as the the visible image of the invisible God, lived the life that we could not live, died on the cross to restore that shalom and that order and that goodness and that beauty and that forgiveness so that we might experience what we were always meant to experience. Right. Mm. And we experience forgiveness, but also forgiveness of sins, but also wholeness and healing and redemption and becoming Christ-like. And, and then the culmination of the gospel is that one day Jesus will return. He's left us with his spirit now so we can live on mission and become more and more Christ-like even through our pain and our suffering. But the ultimate, like, um, beauty of the good news of Jesus is that he is coming back to make mm. all things new. And so better than even the garden of Eden in Genesis one, we've got a new Eden, a new creation, a new redemption, completely whole, no tears, no suffering, no pain, no sorrow. All that we long for, all that we lost will be found in Jesus. As Tolkien said, everything sad will be untrue one day. And I think that's the whole gospel. I think sometimes what we do is we take atonement theory and we call that the gospel, which I love. Mm. I love atonement theory that Jesus died for us and, and his or imputation, right? That his righteousness was imputed to us. That that matters so deeply. But the whole gospel is the entire story of yeah. God at work in his people. That's good. That's good. I, I would want to talk about, I'd want to get the word Lord in there. I'd mm. want to get the word Savior. Mm. And uh, But yeah, what we have to understand is the gospel story runs. It's good news that runs from the first pages of scripture. Amen. It doesn't. Where we get it wrong is like, we go, okay, after Malachi, God went, I'm going to take a break. I need to figure out a new plan. (laughs) Right. Got it. Here we go. Now it's Jesus. The story of Jesus, the good news of the gospel uh, is throughout all of scripture. All right. Just a reminder then that the gospel is and always will be good news. Brian and I will be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.